Hey, everybody. I'm super excited about today's discussion with uh, OMD Red Talks. Uh, we are going to be with Girls Who Code, an international nonprofit organization that aims to support and encourage women to pursue careers in computer science. The organization was founded to demonstrate to girls that coding is a highly effective problem-solving tool that can be employed to invent, to lead, and explore. We are I am. We are so excited to learn more about Girls Who Code, the mission, and their impactful work to support the next gen of tech pros. You know, I and we are pleased to speak with Ashley Gamby, Senior Director of Marketing at Girls Who Code, who will talk with us about how Girls Who Code is changing the prevailing notion of what a air quote coder or tech professional should look like given the industry's male dominated history. And look, Ashley, like I said, senior director of marketing comms at Girls Who Code and, um, you know, really equipping women with the computer skills to pursue that 21st century opportunity. Ashley herself brings over a decade of experience as a marketing lead and has helped skyrocket the brand by creating award-winning content, which I will come back to, and campaigns, which again, I will come back to, reaching more than 500 million people. What a great number. Uh, over her five years at the organization and through her current leadership across marketing, PR, communications, and social media, her work has shifted cultural stereotypes about computer programmers and brought equity to tech education. So Ashley basically is um, a hero um, and so full of extra time if you need it, I'm sure. Um, but on that note, you know, prior to Girls Who Code, Ashley built world-class advertising campaigns for Fortune 100 brands uh, that focused on creating disruptive digital consumer experiences. She worked in client service at Melo, DDB, one of our friends, and Ogilvy Worldwide with clients such as IBM, Amex, Exxon, and BP. She also received a BA in journalism from Howard University, where she was VP of her student-run agency and a staff writer for The Hilton, Howard's daily newspaper. Ashley lives in LA and enjoys spending time with friends and family. Ashley, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so very much for joining. It is great to have you. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Um, look, we'll, we'll we'll jump right in. And I think that one of my favorite parts about this story of yours is that it's um, just impactful and, and empowering beyond just the surface level things. Um, but I'm hoping maybe you can share a bit more about your journey to here, to this moment, to Girls Who Code, you know, what inspired you? How has the company evolved since you joined? Um, I know that we started kind of talking behind the scenes a bit about some of those changes. So um, you tell me. Yeah, so I joined Girls Who Code about almost six years ago now, um, in 2018. And I, you know, like you said, like you mentioned in my bio, I'd been working in advertising agencies, living in New York, and, you know, living the, you know, the quote unquote advertising dream of like, you know, just work going from big agency to big agency, working on, you know, big clients. And I started to just feel really like beyond burnt out. I wasn't invested in the work as much anymore. And I needed a change. Um, and that's when I started thinking about, you know, how could I use my expertise in this area to have an impactful, you know, next phase of my career, which sort of led me to start looking at, um, 
you know, smaller, you know, companies that were just starting up that needed marketing expertise, but also looking at nonprofits. The thing that scared me about a nonprofit was I felt like it was going to be too slow. There were going to be too many rules. And, you know, once I discovered Girls Who Code from, went from being a fan of the founder, Russ Mishijani, um, who had written, who had, you know, released a really impactful YouTube um, TED Talk uh, called Brave Not Perfect, which was kind of blowing up. Um, in my interview phase and just, you know, kind of looking at Girls Who Code from the outside, looking in as a fan, I said, you know, let's let's discover more about this. So when I saw a job opening, I couldn't resist. Um, and when I got the job, you know, one thing that was immediately clear to me was that Girls Who Code wasn't like your other nonprofits. Um, being run by a woman who and started by our, the founder, our founder, Reshma, you know, Reshma came from a non-traditional background. She's not a tech person. She is a problem solver. And the way that we, that we worked as an organization and that we continue to work as an organization is to solve problems. And the problem we were trying to solve was closing the gender gap in entry-level tech jobs. That was our focus. We did everything we could do to, to solve that problem. So, you know, our program scaled, you know, really rapidly. I mean, I joined kind of at the five-year mark. And at that point in time, we were running a massive, you know, in-school, after-school program called Clubs for sixth through 12th grade students, expanding to, you know, third through fifth grade students and running our flagship program, our summer immersion program, which was a, um, you know, eight week summer engagement where we brought thousands and thousands of girls all across the country inside tech companies to learn how to code for a summer, as well as being immersed in, and these are high school girls, as well as being immersed in um, the tech industry at large and learning from tech professionals in, you know, real time. Um, and then on the other side, we started to realize as our programming was just you know, blowing up and our programs team and curriculum team were, you know, innovating year after year after year, you know, we weren't solving the problem of bringing new, you know, particularly girls who had never considered computer science, never thought about taking a computer science course at their high school, let alone thought about majoring in computer science. How are we getting those girls to be interested? It was around the time where, you know, everyone has a smartphone, everyone is starting to get more and more, you know, tech savvy, but really they're not connecting the dots between the fact that, you know, you love making tumblers and you love, you know, sending your friends gifts and making gifts, but not really understanding that this could be a career for you. Like you could see yourself in the computer science space. So enter the marketing and comms team and we start thinking about well, how do you normally reach, you know, young people? And the first thing that we really started thinking about was what's important to them. And at this time in, you know, 2018, we were starting to see so many young people coming out against, um, you know, that was right um, around the time of the election and with Donald Trump coming into office. And we really found that young people were just, they were just clamoring for a way to use their voice. So we started our very first Girls Who Code sort of marketing campaign, and we called it Sisterhood, which is based on one of our core values, where we released a 10-video album, kind of Beyonce style, um, and 
it was all about uh, social justice issues. We interviewed, you know, we had our students actually be able to interview, you know, huge legends in the social justice and women's empowerment space um, and really create this really unique content series that celebrated young women, the vibrancy of young people and sort of started to just get more people to see Girls Who Code as an organization. The whole goal of our campaigns was to make Girls Who Code a household name. And then shortly after that, we started getting partner investment and more people who were interested in working with us. And we started to release tons more campaigns like partnering with Olay on the Make Space for Women Super Bowl ad in 2020, like working with Doja Cat on the Doja Code um music video, which was the first codable music video, like creating gaming content where um, our girls were able to create their own game characters to break the stereotype of the male gaze in gaming. We made a satirical um, video called Why Girls Can't Code, where young girls between high school and middle school talked about all of the reasons that men might be afraid of girls coding, like getting their period and puberty and, you know, their eyelashes being too long. Um, okay. Really okay. <laughs> I, I got to back you up. This is okay. super helpful. Um, <laughs> so you, you've given me a lot. I've been taking a, a couple of notes as you went okay. through burying the lead. Um, <laughs> One, we had a, I had this foam little board that sat on my desk pre-pandemic, like pinned to the wall. Um, and it was a quote that wasn't attributed to, but given to us by our then OMG North America CEO, uh, Paige Thompson. And the, and the quote was um, progress over perfection. And you gave me brave, not perfect. And so yeah. there's a, there's a very clear change though, right? It's a bit of a shard off of that line of of mm -hmm. progress into bravery. And I think that's a really interesting word. And you also told me that, you know, part of your journey to this point was about a bit of a burnout and doing kind of the stuff that maybe my team does a lot of all things. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are leaned in at this point after you said that famous word. Um, but between bravery and burnout, those bees together, it seems like you've got a leader who said, I can be, I can be brave. I can step my foot out of my comfort zone. Maybe I'm not a tech person, but I, but I am a, a problem solver. And part of the problem is, um, one, a total disregard for half of the human race to, to do this job. Um, actually I think it's like 52% of the human race is female. Yeah. Um, so more than half. Um, but you've got like this very serious parallel between your founder story, your own story, uh, and what you guys bring to the table. So I think that's, I think it's just interesting to, to kind of stop and take, take record of it, mm -hmm. um, which gives me a new question is, are you aware of that? Are you aware of kind of your own story and how aligned it is to the purpose of the brand? So I'm becoming more aware of that as I spend more time sort of now working with our new CEO, Tarika Barrett, um, and crafting new executive comms and kind of thinking about how I've grown so much on, you know, next to the brand, you know, when sometimes when you work in advertising, you can feel like a cog in a wheel. I've had bosses say that advertising agency work is the most thankless work you'll ever do. Um, you know, and you, we've heard it all. We've all felt in, on those days that 
you know, what are we really doing? Like, you know, this feels all too much, but also so important at the same time. It's our life's work. Um, And I think coming into Girls Who Code, it was a moment of bravery for me because I stepped off what I thought was like my career path, right? I said, you know what? Even if I, even if coming to this nonprofit is a is not going to be right for my career, at least I tried something different. And it was also different because it's like you're joining a team that doesn't have the same resources that you have in an agency. There's always someone that's going to help you figure it out when you're in an agency. You know, you you may have to search for that person, but there are people there that are that are uniquely skilled at problem solving. When you come into a nonprofit, especially one at the time that was as lean as Girls Who Code, you know, you are the problem solver. And that took, a, that was a brave step for me because I, you know, as the account person, I was like, well, we can ask the strategist, we can ask the project manager, we can ask the ECD. And it's like, no, you are all of those things. Like you are, you are the sum of those parts and you have to be, you're, you're working with people who look to you as the expert. Um, so I think that really, you know, that first year really made me flex my bravery muscle. And it also made me learn that just like you were saying, progress over perfection, progress, like every year we measured our progress and our progress was measured in how many, you know, young women we were getting to declare a major or minor in computer science. And the progress came in how many young women we were seeing get scholarships to colleges that they never thought they could afford and being actually the spark and the catalyst that raised their, you know, their, their family up into the middle class. Tech jobs pay, you know, over, you know, upwards of 20% more than other career paths. And there's so many tech jobs open right now. And there are so many particularly young women and non-binary people who are just, you know, could could change the trajectory of their lives, but also change the trajectory of their family's lives by just, you know, even getting an associate's degree in an associated computer science related field and getting a very entry level tech job that they can grow and learn and more in. And, you know, we're we at Girls Who Code are like telling that story. So, you know, yes, all of the amazing work that my team does on the marketing and comm side is bringing more funders, bringing more people just bringing more awareness to this, but the work that our programs teams do in actually concretely getting, you know, young women from, I don't know that much about CS to, I want to major in computer science in college, that work is, you know, exponentially more valuable. And I'm just so glad that I get to be a part of the, the engine that makes that possible. What's wild about some of this story is, you're going, you're going straight through a problem mm-hmm. and you're also predicting a future of legacy, mm-hmm. right? You're creating a world where you're like, not only is this going to change for, for this group of girls that we're talking to and recruiting mm-hmm. into this um, future, but you, you said it without saying it of this is a long-term structural change to what CS looks like, yes. right? This is a way of saying like, not only like my, it's, it's basically turning the, turning the tide and saying something like my mom 
was a computer scientist. And so that's why I've gone into the field the mm-hmm. way so many probably historically have said, you know, my mom was, was this or that or the other thing. And therefore I, it re- led me down this road or even my father was this thing. Um, right. Was, yeah. Uh, typically it's like my dad wasn't, was an engineer or my dad was a, you know, in majored right. in business. So I majored in business. And a lot of times those conversations happen in a male sphere, And for women, I think what's also amazing about, you know, I think it's really started with millennials, but is really taking off with Gen Z and Generation Alpha is the things that, you know, our young people are majoring in and even just even by not going to college and starting their own businesses, but the things that they are able to imagine for themselves are things that like their parents could never think that were possible in most cases. And I think when you are working in a mission-driven organization like not like Girls Who Code, you kind of start to see those little seeds really early on because we're working so closely with young people and with students um, who are, you know, living that life. But, you know, I think that we're getting into a place now where the sky is truly the limit as to what can make you successful um, in this world. And it doesn't have to be limited to like the standard, you know, I was an English major and I was a business major and I was a, you know, it doesn't have to be very limited to those that to that scope. Um, And I think with in the tech industry, our goal is to break down those norms of um, gatekeeping and say, you know, not only can you hire this, you know, young girl who's a first generation, um, you know, American, you can also hire this young girl who doesn't have a college degree, because guess what, you don't need that always to be an engineer, you can you can learn a lot of stuff is on the job learning a lot of stuff is just being able to solve be a problem solver, you know, we're trying to get companies to really understand that those traditional ways of gatekeeping, which historically kept women and people of color, and, you know, non-binary people out of the industry. You don't have to be so limited. And that's something that we are truly working on um, as a part of our culture change work. And also, you know, as a part of the work that the rest of our organization does um, in communities all over the world. So you've created these truly like significant opportunities um, for a more equitable future, better tech industry. How do we get there, right? How I want to, again, let's go back because I... I told you a bit about how I thought the can submission and award-winning work was inspired, but also inspiring. And it, it really does. Every time I watch it, I find something new that I I chuckle at or that I'm like, Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a, a couple that stick out in my head to me of like, you know, um, girls had coded in, uh, skin conditions. I go, and I'm, And I'm, I'm hearing that and I'm seeing this story kind of be unveiled of these characters. And I'm not only am I just like, wow, that's insightful and obviously like a mirror to putting yourself into these games, but this is not something like guys do. Yeah. We're not capable of putting <laughs> like our weaknesses forward in, in that way. We just don't do that. And it's clear that we haven't done that, especially when representing women, we don't do that. So tell me about this, about this story. Like where, give me where it came. I want to know everything, obviously, but give me where it came from. Like, how is this, like, what are the insights behind it that got the story out there that made you say, this is the way we're going to tell it. Like, I'm just, give me everything. So the way that we 
you know, aligned on what you see um, for the Girls Who Code Girls um, gaming campaign, which came out last year. Um, it's a, you know, really beautiful made website and, you know, really great mobile experience where young people can design their own game characters and all of the traits that you can code in are things like you said, that showcase your difference, your differences, um, and things that are just outside of what the gaming world has provided as a character, you know, character traits or character development. Um, and the way we sort of embarked on this is that we've been working with our agency on a strategy um, and interviewing our, you know, interviewing young women in our programs, doing a lot of quantitative and qualitative work to sort of uncover what are what are some things that in particularly in representation writ large, like what's missing. And, you know, we collated all of these responses and that's what you see in the game. So really different differences in skin tone, skin texture, skin color, you know, different body types, more realistic body types, um, fully clothed, which is why all of the, <laughs> um, all of the characters wear jumpsuits because, you know, you could be, um, having a weapons fight in a bikini, or you could actually be dressed to have a weapons fight in, you know, in, an, in a realistic outfit. Um, and you know, we just listened to listen to the, the 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 young people that we interviewed. Number one, number two, we knew that we wanted to create an engagement that was something that would also be relevant to not only older you know students. Our target demographic is sort of that thirteen to twenty four year old girl. Um, but also, you know, what would be really cool for young for young people to sort of younger students to sort of not be indoctrinated with, you know, the traditional like, you know, male gazed woman in gaming, you know, what could make them feel like, oh, I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to have big breasts and a small waist and blonde hair and pale white skin. I can be I can wear a hijab. I can have acne. I can wear glasses. I can, you know, instead of being a warrior, I can be a problem solver. Like we could call yourself many different things in the game. You didn't have to be a fighter. You didn't have to be, you know, someone who was violent. You could be, you could use your brain. You could be differently abled. You could, you know, you could be autistic. Like there were a lot of ways that we wanted people to feel represented. And the reason for that is because we knew that in order to, shake up the gaming industry, which to be honest, we've been trying to do over time um, as an organization, just sort of through partnership, through talking to other corporations. We knew the only way to have that moment was to create something that was disruptive. And we found this to be like a really disruptive product, something that we continue to see being incorporated into our curriculum. We have students make avatars using um, the, the coding model for, you know, when they have virtual classes, because so many students don't want to keep their camera on. So now you just see like a classroom full of avatars instead of just names on a Zoom screen. Um, but we knew that it was something that would feel a little bit timeless and continue to have be a conversation starter. Um, and all of that really came from the research that we did through talking to young women and talking to young people about what they wanted to see um, come out of the gaming industry. And that's where the culture change piece happens. It's like we're actually responding to the culture 
in real time, rather than asking adults what kids want to see. We're going and we're asking young people what they want to see, and then we're giving them that. And I think that's something that as an organization, you know, because we value marketing and culture change work so much, we call our marketing work culture change, you know, we're willing to spend money on this. We're willing to invest in um in this work to make sure that it feels authentic. Um, and you know, we've also I, you know, we were, I was sort of talking about this in the beginning, but we started our culture change and marketing work, you know, using you being a mirror to what was going on in society. And now we've come back to actually honing our marketing work on what's actually going to drive more engagement of students who are interested in computer science. So instead of thinking that we have to shy away from computer science and shy away from, you know, something that seems quote unquote hard to understand, we're actually going the other way and we're creating engagements um, where people, even if they don't have tech skills or don't have quote unquote computer science skills, they can learn how to code through these marketing engagements. Um, and that's been an evolution for us as an organization as well, is that, you know, we, in the beginning, I remember we used to call coding in the marketing space broccoli. Like we can't just feed people broccoli. Like we have to give them something else. We have to give them Lizzo, you know, dancing with a step team and a healing video. We have to give them, you know, some a joke about computer science and satire. We didn't really think five years ago that, creating these coding engagements in a cool and innovative way was going to bring people to the table. And now we see that actually our engagement has doubled whenever we do a computer science forward campaign versus when we don't. So, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question because I don't know the answer to this. When, when you heard the feedback, when you do these interviews, when you see it kind of coming to a, here are the things that are rising atop, here are the themes that we're seeing. How many of those themes or ideas were something that you could say, okay, they're they're saying I want to do computer science without saying it? Or were they saying it like this is a world I'd love to be in? I just can't figure out the way. Like, or was it all of I don't I don't know. But like what's the what's that insight that you said, okay, they're missing this opportunity? Yeah. So I think that what was what was important was that particularly young women wanted to have an experience that would boost their confidence. And instead of providing them with confidence boosting content, such as girls can do anything and be brave, not perfect. And we're your sisters and join the sisterhood. Instead, they said to us, we know we have a sisterhood in girls who code. What we want is to be confident in our skills and you know, if you, if you are a young woman who is studying computer science, the one thing that you desperately need is a little bit of like a mind break because it's hard. You know, it's not in, in it's 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 a it's a hard study. Let's say let's put it like that. And the way that you know gatekeeping and the way that traditional education is designed, it does make studying computer science tough and one of the tougher majors, one of the tougher places to break through on college campuses. And you know, they needed a moment where they could feel confident and say, "Hey." 
this is what we can do if women are at the forefront. Look at these, this amazing opportunity that's been created by Girls Who Code. Look how we can be a part of this, that women are in the forefront. And they needed a confidence boost. And I think that's what some of our content gives them is look at this cool and amazing thing that, you know, women came up with and created using code. There's never been a coded music video, but a woman, you know, one of the foremost women's first girls first nonprofits in the world partnered with Doja Cat, you know, the one of the most um, sought after entertainers of our time to create a coded music video. Look what happens when women do that. Look what happens when women have the ability to control what we look like in games. Looks what look what happens, and it boosted their confidence. And when we did qualitative analysis, we were able to see that they said, "I feel like I could be a computer scientist. I feel like I could be a game developer after I have interacted with this content." So we really, again, not only listening in the creation of the campaign, but then also listening to the feedback. That's what sort of put the battery in our back, so to speak, to continue to um, create these campaigns that merge, you know, tech and entertainment, because we know that it is not only fun and it's not only bringing, you know, young people to the fold who maybe didn't consider it for also those people who are in it, in the trenches, who already know they want to be a software engineer. It makes them feel more confident in the fact that they can actually do this. And that is that to us, that's like the the, the piece is coming together. That's all that we need to continue. So when we when we started our conversation, I kind of coyly he- held up a little mirror and I was like, you know, that's you, right? <laughs> um, I'm hearing, again, things that maybe need a mirror to what Girls Who Code is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, again, more curiosity that will eventually kill this cat. The, the thing that can often happen well is when brands show up in the marketplace in a way that truly brings their mission, vision, and values to life because they are, and they do live the thing that they kind of, they sell, if you will, like the widgets. Um, I don't know what your widget is internally. So what does that look like? How do you think that data science is influencing advertising in the media landscape? And how are you seeing like what you provide these girls as maybe a bridge even internally into how you've approached your your comm strategy, the storytelling you've done? Yeah. So I can tell a little story about, um, and it'll be very short, about when I first started um, in advertising. So I, you know, joined Ogilvy um, in the summer of 2008. And at that time, obviously, we know what was happening to the economy, you know, agencies were losing clients right and left, budgets were shrinking. Like it was a really weird time in the industry. You know, I joined the advertising industry to make TV commercials. Like that's what I wanted to do. And as you can see, my career has veered into the digital space really, really fast because that's what, you know, companies and brands were looking for because it was what they could afford to spend in marketing. And early on in my career, I had to learn like how to use YouTube. I had to learn how to, you know, understand um, SEO and how to work with, you know, media teams who are also rapidly exploring what a, you know, a display ad is and how to, you know, um, 
how to explain to clients the value and what that was about. And I think for me, you know, bringing it back to me personally, I always saw that technology was the leading indicator for what could keep a client because of the agency that could solve the tech aspect of advertising were the ones who were continuing to gain and re-sign clients year after year. Additionally, I saw my colleagues going and becoming, you know, analysts. And instead of us climbing the, you know, the ladder to be chief strategy officers or to run account management, everyone was running to these newly formed digital agencies and becoming, you know, media strategists and digital analysts and, you know, taking all this data that we were gaining through advertising and monetizing it. And meanwhile, I was like, I don't want to do that, but I need to learn about that. So I think the way when I think about my team at Girls Who Code, I'm not necessarily, we're, we're a nonprofit. We're not going to, you know, necessarily have a digital strategist or, you know, have, have that, those staff positions. But when I think about hiring, you know, someone to lead our comms work or someone to lead our social work or someone to be our marketing director on our team, I immediately go to what is your experience working in the digital marketing space? How are you using, you know, online, you know, online media to bring more earned media to our, you know, to our organization? How have you used that before? On the social, on the social side, I want to know, like, you know, how good are you at testing and learning? Like, what is your um, ability? You know, what's your risk tolerance? You know, things are always changing on this in the social space. Algorithms change, apps change. You know, who would have thought last year that, well, maybe we thought this this time last year, but like Twitter would be, have a new name. Twitter would not be a priority platform. Like we were not imagining that to be true. But, you know, I our social media um, associate on our team is, you know, 24 years old. And she's been immersed in tech her whole life. So when we say, oh gosh, we need to pivot to TikTok and I'm like holding my head and she's like, oh, that's cool. And, you know, I'm like, great. I'm so glad that's cool for you. You know, when um, I just recently um, was able to make a promotion on my team and one of the big things is that like our marketing director at Girls Who Code, she really has a keen eye for asking the right tech questions when it comes to creating these incredible brand opportunities, but also when it comes to just like talking about our email marketing. And you need to have your mind attuned to that. You don't necessarily have to be that person, but you need to be able to interpret the technology and stay on top of it. And I think that's what we've been able to do inside our organization, specifically on our marketing and communications team, is be able to use, you know, technology and use our brains to interpret the the interpret um the landscape and what that means for us and from a marketing perspective. But I think from the industry writ large, you know, talking about agencies in particular, I think the the thing that's really incredible to me is that there's so much room for data scientists now in advertising. And that is a CS adjacent major. So if you major in data science, you can go work in research, but you can also go work at like, you know, OMD and work on really cool clients and, you know, 
use that your data science degree to sort of impact culture. And I think that's something that, you know, we want to do more of at Girls Who Code. We have something called Women in Tech Lesson Plans, where we spotlight a woman in technology who's like a real world woman working in tech. And we're constantly pulling examples of women that work in agencies and work on data science projects, because we want to show people that you can go work at American Express on their data science platform and help inform like how you market credit cards to millennials. Or you can go work for, you know, an agency that's working on craft or another food brand and figure out how do you advertise to like a millennial mom who likes the Backstreet Boys? Like, how do you think the Tide Backstreet Boys commercial came to be like that, you know, not only is yes, are we old enough to be buying laundry detergent, but also the data shows that we use TikTok and we use social media and we still want those nostalgic early aughts videos, like all the combination of those things coming together, we leave a digital footprint. And the fact that you have people that can now read those digital footprints and make us, you know, make me want to use Tide because I'm nostalgic about the Backstreet Boys, you know, that all comes from data science. That's not just your traditional focus group testing. Like that is really bringing in the tech side of marketing. Yeah, the <clears throat> very well said. I think we'll have to timestamp that, uh, <laughs> that statement and let Seb, uh, our chief data uh, and analytics officer, come listen to this one. But we also have quite a few women in the organization that are inside of our uh, Marsai teams, inside of our data analytics group, inside of our central team at Analect, who develops our product Omni, uh, but also clients, to your point. Mm -hmm. you, know, you even said some of the examples that I'm like, ooh, I know exactly who that person is at Wells Fargo. I know exactly who that person is at State Farm, which is a- right women-run marketing organization. Yes. Um, so it's, it's you're hitting like all these things that for me is like, oh, we got to introduce you to some folks so that they can they can speak to your people. Um, but you're, you're made it really clear to me on how you've, how the brand has been built, how the insights around a lack of opportunity or a lack of even understanding of the opportunity drove kind of this, this change in, um, what you're, what, again, I'm calling it a brand, but what yeah. the brand delivers and ultimately saying, hey, we've got a way to directly introduce a new world beyond, beyond. Let, let's be real, beyond creating video games. Yeah. This, is, this, is a, this is a career that touches so many other things now. Yes, you can sit inside of, of, of a heavy data operation organization, but did you know it's probably the biggest thing on a staff plan these days is how many data scientists and, and Marseille folks you can get on a team. Yeah. Uh, so that the, the path is very much there and you're shaping careers in a very real way. Do you think that there's, you know, a lingering gap in you know, understanding of opportunity here? Like I can't imagine that your mission is ever complete, but what's the, what's the next frontier? Where do you plant the next flag? So, I think that what we're seeing now, you know, we're, we've been um, in the game 10 plus years um, is sort of sustaining that growth and sort of getting people to realize that while the industry has made great strides, like, no, we are nowhere near parity. And the 
fact that we may never be near parity is scary, but also it's um, it's sort of making us double down on our mission. And we're actually starting to really look a lot closer at the trends, um, especially now that we have over um, 100,000 alumni who are college aged who are entering the workforce. So for instance, we are now our focus, we're focusing really more tightly on, you know, skills and tech new, new technology. So AI this year has become a really big focus for us. In fact, we will be having an AI focused campaign coming out in December. Um, So, you know, more to come on that. But we are also looking at AI inside of our curriculum and our programming. So how are we making sure we're providing our students with the cutting edge tools that they need in order to continue their education, but also be ready for workplace readiness? So we're investing a lot more in our workplace readiness programs. Our college and careers programming is what we call it. We have a technical interview prep program. We have a leadership academy um, and a mentoring core, both of which strive to, you know, align untraditional students, so to speak, with insights and mentorship within tech industries that works for their schedule. So no longer is the traditional path of you have to spend your whole summer in an internship or live in a city where you can have an internship, we're trying to break down those barriers for students who have to work and go to school at the same time. Um, We're trying to break down those barriers for students who might have caregiving responsibilities, whether they're parents or they care for their extended family. We want to make sure that, you know, we're reaching the the folks who don't traditionally get these opportunities to bring them into the fold and ensure that from these opportunities, they're able to turn that into a job, turn that into an internship so that they can continue on their career path. Um, And then additionally, aside from focusing on our college and careers sort of track, we're also thinking coming out of the pandemic about what virtual learning looks like. We were fortunate that we were able to pivot to virtual within 2020. So literally, you know, we all packed up our offices in in March of 2020 and we were planning on, you know, embarking on our summer immersion program in person as always. And we turned them into virtual classrooms and we served double the amount of students that we that we would have served if we had kept them in person. So now we're continuing to see such gains and also parity in the outcomes, you know, in virtual programs. But we also know that in-person is still really important. So how are we bridging the gap there? And how are we thinking about what the next five to 10 years of our programming really looks like It includes virtual and in-person instruction, especially for our K through 12 audience. Um, You know, so I think that there's the data science piece that I talked about is also something that we're investing in as an organization. And that's becoming really increasingly more important to us is ensuring that we're um, giving our students like the most cutting edge, um, you know, learning opportunities. That's something that we're really engaged with right now. So you have a lot to be (laughs) very, very happy uh, with and clearly some major milestones of delivery for your ambition, the work you wanted to complete, um, the things that we have now 
gotten past and probably like exponentially. So, um, on a personal level, what, what's your, what's your next like moment of pride? What's the next thing that you think when, Hey, when I get this thing done, I will feel, you know, that's my next moment. And then I'll go on to the next, the next thing. But what, what is it for you? I'm very curious about you. So for me, I think the, you know, one thing that I'm looking at is, um, is, you know, in my work at Girls Who Code is just sort of thinking about like what sets the team and the marketing practice up for success in the future. And that really is, you know, a question of funding. That's a question of frequency of engagement. Um, And, you know, I'm not necessarily, I know I'm not, I may not be, um, in this role to see us reach parity in computer science classrooms or, you know, close the gender gap in tech. But I really want to ensure that my team and the legacy of the organization's marketing and communications work is really set up to support um, the next phase of this, which means that we are we are developing that muscle of always looking for cutting edge um opportunities to bring, you know, our marketing work to the forefront. So like I mentioned, we're working on a campaign to that focuses on AI. We are, you know, um, continuing to talk to our partners about how we can do another campaign that is, you know, Doja Cat level of intensity and excitement. Um, and I think number one for me is just continuing to, to, you know, know that when people say Girls Who Code or when you hear the name Girls Who Code, you know who we are and that you think of us as a powerful brand. And that is something that I think I've seen grow over the last five years. It does, it, we're not associated with one person. We used to be very closely associated with our founder, but the goal has always been for us to stand alone as an organization, as a brand. And I think, you know, we are really closing, you know, closing in on that as our, um, as our mandate. And I'm really excited to see that. Ashley, I am more than excited to see that. I am very confident that you will get those things done, um, based on this conversation and kind of experiencing what girls who code stands for. Um, we have a lot of really smart women, um, at Omnicom, but at OMD where, where I work, I hope they listen to this period. I hope they listen to the podcast, but I hope they listen to this episode. And in doing so, what, what, what is maybe a couple of words of wisdom or advice that, that you give um, the women of, of OMD? I think number one is to um, not be afraid to bring your full self into your, into the organization and not be afraid to speak up when you feel like, something is being portrayed incorrectly or manipulated in such a way. I also think, you know, take heart in the fact that you have like a sisterhood and community outside maybe of OMD, of other women data scientists, other women in tech who want to see you succeed, you know, tap back into those, you know, to, to younger folks who are coming up behind you. Like, you know, agency life can feel really stressful, but I think what will keep young women be, you know, coming into the fold is for it to be a welcoming environment. 
Um, and sometimes that means that you're, you know, the woman sitting next to you is the one that has to welcome you. It's not always going to be a top down approach. It might have to be like a sisterhood within. So feel confident and comfortable to sort of make sure that other, particularly other women around you feel comfortable and settled and feel welcome. And, you know, that, that, that I think that sisterhood piece of it is something that you can't ignore. It's something that we've seen at Girls Who Code to be invaluable in terms of having people stay in the field and keep progressing. So, you know, don't forget to be that welcome, that welcoming energy for, you know, the next woman coming into the organization. Ashley, thank you so very much for telling me everything, for educating me today, um, for allowing me to listen and to hear that story uh, for sharing your advice with the women of OMD and the women of computer science and in the future, the agency would be better um, taking some of this advice. I can, I know that for sure. Um, but look, we, we've talked a lot about, about a lot of things. I'm very excited to hear about what you are doing with AI in the future. Um, so keep me posted. Let me know what's happening. If we can connect you with any of uh, the leaders I spoke about, please also let us know. I'm happy to do that. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold us to being more brave. Uh, I think one of the themes out of can this year was yes, data and tech is at an intersection of creativity, but it's going to take guts uh, to do what what's right and what, what needs to be done to, to rise above. And I think between bravery and guts, y'all have got it uh, really well figured out. So thank you. Thank you again um, for joining me. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this conversation. It's been really nice to talk to you. Thanks, Ashley. And look, uh, for our listeners out there, that is a, a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening to OMD Red Talks. Stay curious, and we will see you on the next one.